This has been the exact same start to so many episodes over the years. Yeah, we've real. had so much fun. Well, <laughs> unbeknownst to him, begins driving around a hitman throughout the evening, played by Tom Cruise, who for some reason has well, great hair in know this film. It's Tom Cruise because he doesn't Tom, know it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> because Tom Cruise is acting in the role. What? It's just little things, like people not understanding that it's dark in a movie theater. Um, Turn your fucking phone off. Oh, there was a person who Turn was looking at their phone Turn your fucking the whole phone time. off. Yeah, that was the entire film. film. <laughs> then get out. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> fucking guy who's in the Rod seat. I'm sorry, but we... And I'm, I'm Darth Vader when it comes to assigned seating in movie theaters. Yes, he holds his hands up and the guy chokes to death and that's it. Pretty much. I would <laughs> if I could. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new Jordan Peele film, which is Us. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hello there again, everybody. Welcome in to episode 186 of Film Tank. I am, as always, Alex Diekman, along with my usual friends, Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. Hey! Hello! Oh, that was pretty good. Have you been practicing? Please don't do the whole episode like that. I won't. Thank you. Nick would have taken that a different way. That's have, true. Kept, I know he would have. Would have kept going oh, I know for the duration. Oh, I That's know. right. Yeah. What episode was it that I did a Bill Clinton impression for a good oh, 20 minutes? Oh, why did you do that? It was something where it was just me and you. Uh, I don't remember that. Anyway. It was an unforgettable episode. <laughs> Thank you. Unforgettable moment. Why did you do By that? unforgettable, I mean it was a very forgettable well, episode. Well, that's one man's opinion. Uh, and that man has stupid opinions. Oh, my God. Thank you for the uplifting. Oh, I didn't mean you. <laughs> You're talking about Bill Clinton. Is it? I don't know. Who is our guest? We have that at the door. Hey. Are you going to go to that well every time? Yes. <laughs> It's it, like fucking Mr. Rogers when he has a has a guest or something like that. Or Blue's Clues when he has a guest. Yes. Or any children's Mr. show. Rogers. Any children's show, it always has to be a door and somebody has to or knock. Pee-wee's it's not a doorbell. Playhouse when he has a guest. You don't have yeah. anything in this coffee. Or Gullah Gullah Island when you he has a guest. literally have a prop coffee cup. I drink out of it. No, there's nothing in here. I just drink all of it. Okay. Anyway, There continue. was liquid in there earlier. Sure, I can vouch for Sam. it. It was on this side by mm-hmm. me that I could actually see that there was liquid in it. Hey, Alex, who's story. our guest? Our friend, Sam Shamara. <laughs> that pause. Hey! I guess I was like, First of all, Alex, how many times have I told you to not speak for all of us when introducing <laughs> guests? I'm sorry. <clears throat> Hi, Sam. 
My enemy. <laughs> my nemesis. Did you see the fucking Atlantic posted that article that you should have your own nemesis? No, I didn't. <laughs> it was the stupidest shit I've ever read. When was it sound like someone without a nemesis. It was posted like, like, less, like, like um, three days ago. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to look for that just because I want to read the hilarity of it. Was it was dumb. It was really, really dumb. It's like, yeah, having a nemesis makes you sharper and other shit like that. Why? This, this is so petty. This is that, so, yeah. I, like, what if I'm too grown to have a nemesis? What if I just don't like that guy and i what learned if, and i learned to just live with him you know now hold on what if i'm an adult and i like move past grudges right no yeah. can't be okay. you mean you haven't emotionally plateaued at high school <laughs> what i thought i did but what? apparently not yeah. I, I mean mm. isn't that what we're supposed to do no no mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh welcome thank you sam Who- how's that email <laughs> Now you're looking at your phone. Ow! Okay. Okay. That's fine. Uh, this is this is going great. It's going I think great. So. I think this so. is one of our better Sounds starts great. to an episode. Yeah. It's unfortunately true. I agree. We've lost <laughs> all ten of our listeners. I'm glad to be here. Thank I'm you. glad you're here. Like yeah. to be part of like this Enemy. momentous moment. Yeah. This this has been the exact same start to. So many episodes over the years. Yeah, we've had so much fun. Well, <laughs> the debatable. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. Okay. Neither do we. So we'll continue. Good, we're all in the same boat then. All right, so what is our episode about, Alex? On this particular episode, we are going to discuss the new film by Jordan Peele, which is called Us. Can I Us? put a moratorium Really quickly uh, in this episode, at no point do I want to hear wow. the term Pelian horror. I'm not gonna <laughs> because I saw someone unironically tweet that, and I was very, very annoyed. That's like when I and I say that as a fan of Jordan Peele. That's like when I uh, encountered the term filmic dissonance in Twitter, and then I immediately just blocked that person because I just I, I don't have any time for that kind of. I mean, it's one of those silliness. things. Like I get it. We say things like Lynchian. We say Cronenberg. You know, ask whatever. He's had two fucking. But yeah, films. in the span of like one to two years, right? So. Pump the brakes. Yeah. And while I am excited to talk about this movie and yeah. his career, uh, he has in not, I should say, ascended to his own genre yet. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's little, all I'm saying. That's a little bit, uh, yeah, that's premature. Yeah. You know a thing or two about that, don't you? Oh, you <laughs> shut the fuck up. Anyway, Alex... So, uh, Jordan Peele had his first real... What is... What? Anyway, he had his first real what? I don't know. I was going to say something, but... Me then... and Toussaint are having a moment right now. Yeah, are you? Yeah. I think Toussaint would think of it as like a moment of animosity, whereas I think of it as a moment of love. <laughs> Get the fuck away from me. Okay. See? Nick reaches his hand across the table at Tucson a lot. Yeah, well, I'm sorry if I'm lonely oh. and I have. I wouldn't be surprised if like his Jeez. foot every now and then goes to nudge Tucson. I accidentally oh. touched Sam's foot earlier. This is true. I don't well, mean I to bad. immortalize that. I, I was... <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Dude, Alex, I'm just, continue I the episode for the like, love of God. Listen, Pump those brakes, I, buddy. I, I'm, sing- I'm not I, single. <laughs> I'm just saying, what just happens under the table... To it. Listen, my eyes are shit to begin with. 
What does that so, do with your foot? Because I was going to say, if you think that I can just somehow know what's going on underneath the table, then I'm, I bet you're asking way too much of me. That's all I got to say. Anyway, Alex, moving on. Alex, give us the, the IMD rundown because you know how perfect right, I got to go. So, Jordan Peele uh, had his first cinematic film a couple of years ago in Get Out. Uh, it was an enormous success. Mm-hmm. He won an Oscar for it for Best uh, Screenplay. And he is back with the film Us, which is centered around a family uh, where their serenity turns to chaos when a group of doppelgangers begin to terrorize them. You know, that's actually pretty short and sweet. And uh, I'm proud of IMDb for not uh, <laughs> fucking themselves over. Because mm. uh, it's pretty hard to fuck yourself over with like some... Something so simplistic as that kind of synopsis. Hmm. It's nice and concise. I, I know. I appreciate yeah. it. I do. Yeah. They've done worse. I, they've done way worse. <laughs> so I'm proud of them. Yeah. So this film uh, stars Lupita Nyong'o. Thank you. I'm so bad with names. It's okay. Uh, and also Winston Duke, yeah. who you previously have seen in Black Panther, mm-hmm. barking at white people. Yeah. Mabaku. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't talk. <laughs> yeah. Also, too, uh, their children in this film are played by Shahadi Wright Joseph and Evan Alex. What who, a great last name. Who <laughs> is, I think, uh, or is it somebody else that I'm thinking of? Was he in Moonlight? Uh, I am he not positive familiar. on that. I don't think he was, no. It's looking I'm, I'm like no. Of, no, I'm thinking of the kid from uh, Captive State. When we went yes. Through. Yeah, that's one thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry there about that. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Nice segue. Yeah. We're now talking about Captive State. No, we're not. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> kind of sounds like we are. <laughs> that was a film. Anyways, um, this film also has Elizabeth Moss playing the white person. And Tim Heidecker, who's, yeah, playing, Heidecker, who's, who's playing, playing Tim the Heidecker, other white person. Who's playing Tim Heidecker. And also has that guy who played Black Manta in Aquaman. Oh, it's the father. Yes. Yeah. 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 Who, boy, let, boy, howdy, let me tell you, in that scene underground when he wins that Michael Jackson t-shirt, he's really selling that he's actually playing a game. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sure is. You blocked uh-huh. that out. Yeah. No, I just for a moment I thought you, I didn't hear the word underground, so I was thinking that's okay. The, uh, real? Uh, well, I guess maybe not real. So since we're on it, why don't we talk about how, ma- how many chill, um, how many childhoods Michael Jackson has ruined, and how that's a you know that's something I also want to mention. Uh, in oh, our, it is. It's <laughs> about this this film. Um, I wanted to get that to that a little bit later, but uh, it's on the table right now. It's on the table right now. Um, I think that you know, I really wanted to wrap this into like my opening. Like, sorry, I went for you go into it. Yeah, I went for low hanging fruit. Yeah, it's okay. Um, Do you want to want me to just like start with uh, the round table and stuff Mm -hmm. like that? Okay, so I'm going to eventually come to the Michael Jackson uh, point, but just as an overview of this, like I think that. It's only appropriate. You can talk about this film on its own, entirely on its own, right? But I think that given the the sort of profile of this film coming out from this director, it's their second film, and how much this film is in many ways a – not a direct but sort of a thematic reaction to his previous film, I think that I have to actually like make note of like some things that we've talked about for um 
forget out i'm not going to reprise all this stuff but basically just sort of as a primer is like you know get out was a horror film that jordan peele directed on that was actually first uh drafted in i believe uh 2008 he'd been working on it for a couple of years and he just like it was only until like 2017 when it actually like finally came out i think it filmed throughout most of 2016 um, so it came out in January 23rd, 2017. And when it came out to like a lot of acclaim, uh, given its subject matter, a lot of people were touting it as being sort of the first film of the Trump era. Right. And like Peel in his own like sort of statements on it says like when I was writing this, people were saying racism is done. Um, but at the same time, the president was being questioned if he was American and uh, part of the black identity is the horror of America. And it's like, I thought, what if I didn't take it to a typical type of racism, the white superiority, the Trumpism, but what if it was the other side of that? What if the type of racism that I'm exploring is microaggression and the system itself and society is the monster at the forefront of like, get out like insincere allyship, insincere allyship, liberal racism, racism that wears a face, uh, congratulatory fetishism, that sort of undercurrent of racism that doesn't usually wear what people think of as the face of, of, of racism. That was really what was the point of of Get Out. That's what that film was about, right? And he's talked about how after Get Out, he had like an idea for like maybe a series of other social thrillers that he wanted to like explore with different sort of like social demons of, of America, like American society and stuff, and modern live society, right? Taking it from a, a different standpoint. And Us, released in 2019 is the next installment in this sort of a sensible like series that he's he's creating right this is this is a a a film of the trump era because we're knee deep into it right like this the we're 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 more than knee deep into it we are all the way in this shit okay um so while uh, like get out was about um was about racism and microaggressions and stuff like that us is about a lot of things it's about duality it's about um self-hatred and it's also about the american class system and i remember when he was when he was first promoting us he was talking about like i'm not necessarily talking about race i'm talking about something a little bit larger and i think that this is the instance of a intersectional social horror film that's not trying to excise the element of race from its actual narrative, but also complicating it and exploring how it intersects with other forms of, 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 of discrimination and basically dehumanization within American society. So what's fascinating about this is like the, when I first went to go see this film, I had a very lukewarm sort of reception to it. Um, to say the least, because I was trying to look at it from a strictly literate view. It was like I was trying to like make it up as I go, like trying to understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I f- walked out of the theater thinking, like, this film thinks it's a lot smarter than it actually is. That was my first impression. And the more that I thought about it, I went online. I you know I read a couple of theories, a couple of like interpretations and stuff like that. And I thought about it on my own, and I realized that some of my principal. Um, criticisms of the film although i do believe that they hold water from a literal standpoint from an allegorical standpoint 
a lot of those elements do make sense because of what the tethered are meant to represent and what the humans are meant to represent. It, in a lot of ways, it's an allegory about, you know, upper middle class people and the relationship of lower class people and how mm -hmm. their lived existences are inextricable to one another and that they are reflections of the same sort of whole. Or even you could extend that to even a larger, like, concept of, like, the relationship between... I don't know, the United States and the global South and basically all these other people that you like extract sort of resources from. And one of the things about living in America is that even as shit of a time as it can be right now with so much sectarianism, with so much xenophobia, with so much amplification of these very – of this undercurrent of, of ideas, things of which we did not even think really existed until – something happened and sort of the Pandora's box just opened and now it's everywhere is sort of like parallel to that of what's going on in the film with like the, the emergence of the tethered because we, they didn't even know that these people fucking existed. Mm -hmm. And it turns out they, they do exist and they have fostered a deep resentment, a homicidal resentment for the upper class, at least as they understand it, that them to be the upper class, even though they're not even aware that these people exist, um, and it just leads to this sort of like clash that's going on. And so it's it's fascinating to see how that plays out in the film. I don't necessarily think that that um, that sort of allegory like holds together in, 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 in all kind of places. Like it, it's kind of it's very, very complicated, um, mostly because it's hard to understand the relationship of like why the tethered have to suffer the way they do. At the expense – like why, why, why do the, the tethered have to ex suffer at the expense of, of the, the passive lived experiences of the upper class? And then you think about like the fact of all of us have our cell phones on this, on this table right now, and I'm pretty sure not one of us could actually trace the origins of the materials that actually like went into – making these cell phones, let alone the material labor that actually went into them. Jokes on you, I made my cell phone. And thinking about the, the, the maybe hundreds of hands for which these actual things have actually passed through in order to get to Yo. us, let alone like the other things that we have, such as our, our glasses or our clothes or our food or our drinks and other stuff like that. That's sort of the, the, the privilege of, of living in a, in a first world country that has – that that is a nexus of commerce in that sort of way. So that's really interesting. Another thing that um at least that I want to address like just from the get go, um just gonna put it out there. The the finale um uh, of this film, even though I was lukewarm on it on the first first viewing, I think that the finale between uh Adelaide and Red, that fight, might be the front runner from one of my favorite scenes of the year. I think that it is with the combination of the music, which is named Paz Undu, which means uh, a dance for two. And it's just a brilliantly edited and, and just well, just well choreographed like sequence that is, I felt so many things watching that, that, that scene leading up to that point. It was heartbreaking. It was fucking frustrating. It was terrifying. And I didn't really – like I, I like it, it was so complicated in the fact that I didn't want either of those people to die for – yeah. 
I was just going to say, leading into uh, the uh, the thing that the action that happens immediately following mm-hmm. that scene. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the twist ending of the film? Uh, that that I have my own thoughts. I on. mean, I didn't. I I look. I had suspected that that was going to be a twist because we never saw. Yeah. We never saw the girl actually like turn around and actually see what actually happened after that initial meeting. We literally so I felt are left with a, an absence of footage. Exactly, an absence of footage and even an ex- absence of explanation as to why Adelaide had never told her husband about – the the incident that that she, that, she couldn't tell her that tra- about that, it because she wasn't aware that it happened that traumatized her to such a point that she then remembered this 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 she she felt uh, um, hesitation about going to Santa Cruz Beach and I, I I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those like oh I I knew it all along it's like but but that's not the fucking point it's it's not about whether or not I was able to guess it is about whether or not I think that it is it is it it has any sort of utility to the to the actual story and I think it does I think it just sort of cements the the whole like point of the fact that there really is no difference between the tethered and the human beings other than the lived experiences and opportunities which were afforded to them within the within the the, the, the coincidence of their of, 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 of their birth or or, or, or what they were, were coming into and, and, and coming back to that, like sort of just like to cap off like my initial thoughts, one of my principal um, uh, one of my principal criticisms of this was the whole elevator, right? The fact that the the only it seemed like the only barrier between the tunnels where the tethered were basically left to their own devices and the upper like level was this 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 uh elevator that was basically just escalator escalator sorry escalator that's just moving downward and stuff like that and i was like i was like are you serious like it's only a fucking escalator that's the whole thing that's that's keeping them there and then when i realized what the actual allegory was i felt terribly ashamed like i felt terribly ashamed for my even my criticism of that even though it seems it it, it seems cockamamie when you're looking at it from a literal level, but from an allegorical level, you're parsing it out and you're thinking what the tether actually represent is like the imagine being born into a world that you did not understand between intervals of just blinding darkness and light, where you are forced to act out these compulsions and these gestures and these pantomimes. For which you do not understand, which you are just blindly sort of being coaxed from one place to another, and you have no concept of the world outside of you. And even if you were conscious somehow of of your lived existence, of how you could actually better your lived existence, that there was an that there was an existence adjacent or even above your own that you tried to aspire to. If even you were able to f- somehow find the means for which to sort of navigate from that, you would still be 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 faced with obstacles that basically are equivalent to that of the very ground beneath your feet moving against you. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Like the, the escalator in that instance is meant to represent the intractability of class mobility in America. That it's not meant to actually work in the in the interest of of actually allowing people from the lower class to actually elevate there, there, them. There's so, only one way to go. There's only one way to go, and 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 even if you did, and, and even if you did go that way, like you would, and and you try to get back, it really would be up to a person who who knew how to actually game that system, so to speak. It's like, oh, you just got to walk faster than the, the actual treads of, the, of, of the, 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 the escalator. Why couldn't you fucking know that? It was like, because we don't have escalators down here. We literally never had to experience anything like that. And literally, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fucking let them eat cake moment. It really is a let them eat cake moment, and that's why I felt ashamed for thinking of that. Because then when I realized that, I'm like, "Holy shit! Like, oh my god, I, I feel so fucking terrible now." It doesn't it doesn't work on a literal level, but on an allegorical level, it 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 it, it gels. And I think that is one of the one of my key remaining criticisms of this film, in that I feel like it is effective allegory, but it just falls apart the more that you really try to like scrutinize it in some respects um and it also reveals more things and 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 interesting details within that regard um capping it off with the 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 michael jackson thing Mm -hmm. um basically most of the iconic imagery uh in this film from the red jumpsuits from the uh the the leather uh hands even even maybe the uh the 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 gold like gilded I will say something scissors. about the leather glove. Yeah. Uh, most people have been, I would say, acknowledging that as a Michael Jackson yeah. reference. However, someone did uh, interestingly bring up a point on Twitter. I forgot which film critic, but yeah. somebody posted a screenshot from the 70s version of um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers mm-hmm. and noted that Donald Sutherland's character wears an actual brown oh. leather Half, like it looked okay. exactly okay. like it, That's, so uh, it, it might even be slightly alluding to like an adjacent sort of reference to something yeah. else. Not necessarily. I'm not to saying that. it doesn't reference Michael Jackson, yeah. but I do think Peel he did it with Get Out, with uh, Dead Ringers, and The Shining. So I I think it could have also been just as easily a more nod yeah. to horror before it. Yeah, but there was a, a quote with somebody very Peelian, would you say? No, oh, please don't do that. Anyway, the fuck did I say when this episode? Started? Anyway, um, somebody Repeat it back to me. Somebody actually um, approached uh, Jordan Peele about the question of the whole like Michael Jackson illusions in this film mm-hmm. because this actually came out just a couple of weeks after that um, Leaving Neverland, Leaving Never- Neverland uh, documentary came out. I haven't watched it yet because I just haven't had access to it. Uh, I, yeah, Four I've, hours, I've, I've watched it. I've, yeah, I've heard. It's uh, a trip. Yeah, it's a trip. But Maybe this makes me an asshole, but it did not need to be four hours. Yeah, uh, but I say that as someone who watches things that continually makes me depressed and unpleasant. So right. it's not that. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but this did not need to be a series that could have very easily been capped at three hours max, maybe like a full documentary, not a series. Yeah. Anyway, but um, basically, Peel's comment on the whole Michael Jackson imagery was that like the reason why he included it is Michael Jackson is probably the patron saint of duality. Yeah, the movie starts in the '80s. The duality with which I experienced him. Jackson in that time was both as the guy that presented this outward positivity, but also the thriller video, which scared me to death. And the irony and relevance is not lost on me now that the discussion has evolved into one of true horror. 
Yeah. It was like I. I no, I was gonna say for me at yeah. least the the Michael Jackson. I, I guess I wouldn't say homage. It but doesn't sync this placement. film. It, if anything, it, yeah. it, it it amplifies it for the fact that we have to sort of navigate the. The uncomfortable sort of like tension of of he exists up here doesn't mean that he's not in the basement. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very good, Nicholas. Yeah. So who wants to go next? I'll go really quick because I, I just want to open this up and say that I've only seen it once. I haven't really read a lot of analysis on this movie, which is kind of rare for me after a movie like this comes out where I certainly want to dig into the symbolism and whatnot. Um, but I got to say that while I, I, overall I enjoyed it, like that's the that's my baseline here. So even if I get negative on it, uh, I, I just think Jordan Peele with a talent and someone to look out for. I just think the conversation surrounding Jordan Peele is elevating things that don't need to be elevated and could just be taken uh, as is because I think there's a danger to um, – shall we say, putting someone up on a pedestal, uh, which can make their work, in my opinion, crumble before it even gets off the ground uh, and, and has legs to stay around. I agree. So I enjoyed this film. I thought a lot of isolated scenes were fantastic. I love how Jordan Peele uh, navigates through this twisted, I guess, weekend so to speak um with this family i thought the setup like i thought the first 25 to 30 minutes were pretty much pitch perfect like Mm -hmm. uh from the opening prologue to the um humanizing of the family before the terror starts i just thought it was fantastic and i was so glad that jordan peele uh had casted these actors and actresses who otherwise probably would never have been greenlit as the stars of a horror film without making the movie itself about race. Now, I know that makes me sound some kind of white guy who wants to stay in his comfortable lane, but in actuality, I'll say that I preferred Get Out overall because Mm -hmm. of how uncomfortable that made me, Mm -hmm. whereas Us didn't always hit that mark. I I think that it, it, like, Get Out already foregrounded the... Yeah. The tension of race within just the first scene when the guy asked his girlfriend, "Is like, do they know that I'm black?" Like that's oh, that's, right. that's that, yeah. that, that that literally was the first fucking scene yeah. of that film. Versus this, where it's more of like it's 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 talking about a family unit and basically them going on a vacation, how they interact with one another, and sort of just like the natural tensions of navigating sort of that. Of, of of that development, like realizing that you're getting older and the music that you listen to, it doesn't always – the music and the media that you listen to doesn't necessarily like cohere to that of the lived experiences of your children. You have to like sort of like wean them into that. Like I thought that w- – those were, were good jokes. I Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I would say that as like if you were to write a piece on Get Out, you cannot write a piece on Get Out without it having to do with or center around race. Like mm-hmm. – that if you if you somehow wrote a piece about Get Out and you didn't talk about race, then you are a character from the movie Get Out. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, whereas I us, don't see race. I don't see black people. Yeah, I whereas, didn't see that movie. Whereas Us <laughs> is a movie in which there will be fantastic pieces. I think that come out in the wake of this movie, written about race and the duality, maybe of code switching or you know whatever thing that I'm in no way qualified to write about or whatever. Okay. And yet there is also things going on here in which you could view this movie as you could switch the family in my opinion mm-hmm. 
uh, to a white family, to a Hispanic family. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the scripting would stay the exact same as far as mannerisms or affectations or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're not, uh, shall we say, tethered to the uh, narrative progression of this surreal landscape. No, I think that, that um, while I do think that race is a, an element of this, simply yeah. for the fact of the presence of this family and how they navigate their interactions with the other family on the That's beach. That's the biggest like thing the other... that where the movie does get into, I would say, a caricature because, and I'm completely okay with a movie making fun of white people and all that jazz because yeah. it's completely valid. And in fact, it was hysterical, in my opinion, in Get Out. Like, the scene where Allison Williams' character is eating dry cereal while listening to the Dirty Dancing soundtrack yeah. as she... Keeping like, them separate from her white milk. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as she chillingly is able to somehow stay in character over the phone, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Like, that's just one of the funniest and scariest scenes I've seen in recent memory. And the fact that those two like sentiments exist within the same proximity of one another is right. like... that. That shows not only the... The capacity of those actors, but also the 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 capacity of of Peel as a director. Yeah, but but in this movie, I thought that the two families, kind of quote unquote, uh, being uh, shall we say side by side comparisons, was slightly rote. Um, not even a in a black versus white way, but just in a we're normal and they're fucked up, so therefore they're okay to be, shall we say, fodder for the horror. Because in my opinion, if you're going allegorical, then uh, <laughs> what separates this family from that family um, other than your script? And I, I, I think there is the the subtle um, implication of like class distinction, where it's like, oh, I bet he got that boat just to. Fuck with me. True, yeah. but Maybe and, that and new car it, I don't think this film me. is, uh, uh, shall we say, pointed enough to make those kind of class distinctions within the class distinctions it's already making. Mm. This is the movie in which, you know, the quote unquote ground level people, the people like you and me, are have, I guess have their souls tethered to people down below, whatever. And this is so literal in that final act that, in my opinion, this movie doesn't support the idea that what's happening above ground is in any way stratified in the way that it is in real life. Now, I know that it, it was portrayed that way. I mean, You think that it's sort of conveyed thought, with a uniformity? Uh, I would I would say that it was just slightly lazy in that when it was allegorical, it was extremely pointed, and it was like, this is what I want to be. But then when it had these side characters, it was like, well, we can make jokes every five minutes mm. because this is the other family, and they're the comedy, the comic relief. And I just thought that at, at a certain point, I don't think Jordan Peele was able to keep this together. I see can, the... Can, can I... I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Um, can I just make one quick, quick, quick comment on that? Yeah. It's like I think that. Well, I can and say that that I, I I agree with you in part that usually it's 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 not as explicit, but I feel like there are sort of distinctions that, while not foregrounded, do exist now that we're talking about this, and I'm thinking about it just from the nature of. The kind of houses that they live in. No, no, no. I'm or, saying or there the, are or, distinctions. Or, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm oh, saying yeah. that it it just felt too much like a 
uh, I guess I, I'll say uh, caricature detour. Okay. You know, like that. I don't know that I got anything satirical out of that mm-hmm. to the point where I almost would have rather him humanize that family in a way that would have made me care because the jokes weren't that funny when they were on screen. Mm-hmm. And the whatever class distinction between the, the protagonist family and that family I could get from this movie, I, I could have gotten from a two-sentence script treatment. So therefore, I, I just wish those scenes were slightly more... Uh, shall we say, purposeful in a movie that is never not trying to be, shall we say, allegorical and pointed about how it uses its running time. Okay. So that's just kind of, I mean, this literally has a set of white twins who are interchangeable. And, and, and it's like that in and of itself is a funny idea. And certainly Jordan Peele is the kind of person to do that. But that is one kind of Key and Peele sketch nestled within a much better Key and Peele sketch, in yeah. my opinion. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't necessarily have a problem with it or anything like that. I'm more interested in the idea that all along uh, the protagonist family that we follow throughout this film uh, is able to string along their tethered friends um, and fight with them and kill them in different ways. And yet the white family immediately gets bumped off by their tethers, which I, I find I, – I feel like there's got to be something there for the way it The down. white family is just no different than, I guess, every other family in this entire right. world. Right. The, yeah. the, the difference between the Wilsons and whatever their names are, like the, 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 the white family, is that Red, the leader of that – Sort of from that world is from the red has a vendetta against Adelaide and made a point to confront her and her family in order to sort of extract or to 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 enact some type of vengeance to make it slower, to make it deliberate, to make it noticeable, whereas that family was ambushed. They don't have a personal sort of stake in that, even though. Ostensibly, all of of the tethered have a personal quote unquote yeah. like vendetta against them, but Red has an explicit like one to one sort of vendetta against I'm, this person. You know I'm, what I'm saying? I'm I'm pretty much one hundred percent with you. Yeah, but at the same time, I guess visually to me, and I already had not necessarily again problems with the white family, mm-hmm. but at the same time. Why are they written as all stupid people? Oh, because they're bougie and they're rich and they don't give a fuck about anything. It's like, oh, it's like, well, fine, why, can't, why can't you get up? Why, you can't, why can't you get up and like check if somebody's out there? It's like, oh, what am I crazy okay. playing? Which, honestly, once again, it's totally fine, but that's just really boring. And yeah. I just thought from a, from the person who brought me Get Out mm-hmm. that that was a step back. And not a step back in how you're portraying white people. It, whatever that family would have been, but because they are white and because I do think that this is a racial element, um, I just thought it was a really boring use of the running time when it could have been strengthening the foundation of the 360 we have to do with the allegorical uh, allegorical exposition that follows. Well, the other explanation can be that that was not the story that this film necessarily wanted to tell. Yeah. 
but at the same time, um, I feel like it still wanted to make mention of it. But if you rewatch this movie, which mm-hmm. I haven't yet, but I will say those scenes in which we spend a good 20 or so minutes with that house in general are going to feel to me like a waste of time. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this was always about the... The, the main family. So now that I know that those scenes literally go nowhere mm-hmm. and that they are only there to, in my opinion, elongate this, um, it, they're just kind of a drag. So I'll, I'm going to finish uh, my opening remarks by simply saying that this movie didn't quite work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of scenes in it, yeah. but I do think that the last 20 minutes, while including some great stuff, because I actually agree with Toussaint that that fight between the two was my favorite it's, scene in the entire yeah, film. It's, it's, it's Even beautiful. if it comes yeah. smack dab in a lot of stuff that I don't like, right. just execution I thought right. was fantastic. Um, but what I like most about this film is that I'm this much more excited about Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone. Because I do think that if there's anybody currently working today to manage Rod Serling's type of social horror, mm-hmm. uh, it's Jordan Peele. And what makes me even more excited is that he doesn't have to fill 100 minutes. And then he yes. can kind of cut through to the heart of what he normally is trying to do, but doesn't have a studio mandated, he well, we, we to have to make skits, this a feature film. And he knows how to do, yeah, he knows, he knows how to do that. I want to talk... I want to say one last thing about that fight between Adelaide and Red because it's the most important aspect of why that scene appealed to me other than what I took away from it. Like, Would emotion. you say a Jordan appealed to you? Oh, holy motherfucker. Anyway, <laughs> um, so that scene uh, really resonated me with me for the fact of the relationship between Red and Adelaide because Red's whole purpose for doing that is that she's trying to prove that the tethered are human beings that's what does she say is like you know we're human too it's like we have we have they're eyes, americans we have eyes we have yeah we have eyes we have blood we have feet we have teeth you know we have all those those things that that make a human being what there are and just because for the fact of me being born a tethered or being a tethered and you being a human being or whatever that doesn't make you better than me it's like if anything i'm better than you for the fact of me having to like go through like these these fucked up things in order to get to this point and so with that whole fight it's like the purpose is not just to beat or to kill adelaide but to humiliate her and i feel like that is really what the point of of so much of that sequence is like it's 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 not a matter of 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 humiliating somebody in front of other people it is a very private and very intimate humiliation of understanding who is actually in control of that situation all the while, it's just like you you just are exhausting yourself because you're outclassed. And I'm of the belief of this, but I'm interested on your guy, all your guys' take. Um, she lets her kill her, right? I don't think that she lets her kill her. Really? No. Because she's one step ahead the entire time, literally, uh, and then all of a sudden just stabbed right in the heart. I think that that bunk that red came out of like adelaide remembered where that bunk was mm-hmm. okay I given that given the uh the twist we now know is like i think that she and and the fact when she snaps her neck and she does that sort of guttural scream like yeah. that's sort of like the the fact of the the reality of this relationship sort of like coming to bear coming out 
into the open, even though it's not ex- made explicit to the audience yet. No, I, I, I guess I take it a different way because I am of the belief that she led her on this merry chase throughout and then mm-hmm. forced her to kill her in a very specific way yeah. that she wanted to be killed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because to me, the goal of the tethered is to never, never to win necessarily. Mm-hmm. It is but to send a message. To send a message, and also to um, to force the people to acknowledge their existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what better, better way, way than bloody murder throughout the streets? Yeah. Oh yeah, and to also have to deal with that guilt that's, that's yeah lasting if that's a thing for a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alex, your impressions of this film. So, I was not a fan. I know. I'll just start off by saying that. <laughs> That's okay. I will say, uh, as has happened multiple times throughout this podcast, illustrious history, I have raised my rating a half star since we started, just because of some of the things that Toussaint explained and mm-hmm. some of the ways you brought things to light. Mm-hmm. Uh, things have come to light. Things have um, come to light. <laughs> Uh, in my interpretation and, and reading of the film, so I, I will be raising my rating a little higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I actually stack this film up, and you guys can think this is blasphemy, and that's fine, uh, alongside Darren Aronofsky's mother. Oh, boy. We're, oh, here we go. Let's go. No, I, it, it, let's, I mean. Let's, op- let's open that fucking skeleton door again. All, all I'll right. say is while I buckled. certainly think that this is better, um, I do think both filmmakers are going for something in a mode that is not going to be agreeable with everybody. And for yeah. that reason alone, I mean, okay. as much as I hate Mother, yeah. I also like would be an idiot if I said something like, well, that last act is so stupid if you take it literally. It's like, well, yes, but I can also hate it abstractly. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> so, right. technically, you could say the same thing about Us, even if I like that movie a lot better. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where I'm going with my comparison of it, yeah. because okay. I feel like that film was super divisive, and also, if you watched it literally, you could walk out of the theater and go, the fuck was that shit? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically my opening reaction for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the bigger issue I had with it is that it did not deliver for me anything that I really wanted out of it. Um First of all, I am not a horror fan, so and this is a sp- particular type of horror that is not my bag. So ultimately, I was predisposed to not like this. Um, but at the same time, I was looking forward to pretty solid Jordan. You liked uh, Get Out. Right? I did. Yeah, I, I mean, did. I did very it. much so. Yeah. I'd be, I didn't love it. I really liked it, though. Yeah. Um, I was looking forward to some really solid humor here. I thought the humor in this film was honestly terrible. Um, you didn't like Gabe? I don't like Gabe. It was okay. I thought the humor was great in the first 30 minutes when it was just him being a fun dad. Yeah. But when it became this, like, this is a very, what, the dad? Yeah, I thought he was kind of an asshole. Well, I mean, I I guess. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Uh, But when the humor would literally start undercutting every moment of horror because Jordan Peele didn't, I guess, trust the audience to actually live in it. That annoyed me to uh, all. I like, will say Jordan Peele, who's thought of right now, and I think rightfully so, as a master uh, storyteller. Even, storyteller. I was going to say filmmaker, even though this is only his second feature. But he's thought of in a very high regard, mm-hmm. and I think that he 
deserves to be there. Uh, that Home Alone joke was one of the dumbest things I've heard in a while. So mm. we can do better, can the, we? The um, the scene where Red is explaining the whole story about the tether to the family for the first time, mm-hmm. and then Gabe is like trying to like, oh, we just like, do you want anything? And like Adelaide is like, Gabe. I was just like, Gabe, shut the fuck. But technically up. speaking, that character knows a lot more. Yeah. yeah. So even that yeah. doesn't that makes sense. Yeah. So that's not just a. But, he, but even I know it's a dumb I, like, joke. Like but as, as an audience member, I was like, "Shut the fuck up, Gabe! You do not understand this situation." And I agree that that was a dumb joke. Right. But also, when all those comments were made, yeah, that's still completely not like, "Oh, I'm smarter than you because I'm taking this here." It's like. No, I don't want to be found out, so yeah. shut up. So. Okay. Yeah. I think there's something humanizing about that, though, yeah. in, in many yeah. aspects. Just I think that's why for an explanation. She, and I yeah. think that's why she chose him. Mm. Somebody who will mm. not literally be able to figure out shit like this. <laughs> Dang. Man. Damn. That might damn. not be wrong. That, yeah, yeah. Damn. Um, there were, Relationships there were... getting real now. Holy <laughs> shit. Damn. There Find were... someone dumber than you. Otherwise, you will lose the will to live. Damn. <laughs> Damn. That's brutal. Damn. This is a revealing episode. Damn. <laughs> well, we know. That's why I've never found how... anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was just about to tell you. That's why you're single. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> that's that was creepy. Anyway, that continue, Alex. Nightmarish. That's why I'm single. <laughs> Oh, over overall, uh, that part of the film uh, was not my bag. And then everything else, again, from a literal angle which i feel like this film is trying too hard with all of its literal references throughout to not be able to think that is like i can't watch i can't watch the scene in the tunnel where all these people are acting out and having these ridiculous movements and not just think about and and there are other things my brain's going to like Okay, so these people who are tethered, and then all of a sudden she dances in this tunnel, and then all of a sudden now they're all untethered, and they're planning out this great thing where they're going to use these literally use scissors to cut. I don't know. I man. talked. I, I, I talked about this with um with the people that I I went to go see the movie with over the weekend, where it's just like, wait, they so they're able to to have all these clothes and stuff but they don't have a stove or maybe they did use a stove and that boy's face got burned off i was like you know maybe it's like a it's like a a a, a vocational school down there in the tunnel where they show them how to like like you know mend and like make and sew and make clothes and shit like that but they never taught them how to cook they they didn't trust them to like use the microwave or some shit like that and like so you you, Alex, bring up a very interesting point, and then you built on that, yeah. Susan, Um That So I was reading an article recently, and it was um, commentary about the fact that in in regards to... Eating raw rabbit. <laughs> um, also a really stupid part of this film. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so that, that flip of Red technically being like the real Adelaide... Um, and Adelaide being the one that should be the, real the underground one. Ooh, that should be. Um, and what is real? Ooh. And what is real? Well, yeah. so we'll get into we that later. We know her feelings. Um, but <laughs> Back down the escalator with you. 
classist. Fucking yeah. um, <laughs> class warfare, man. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, but there was an interesting commentary about it and how um, it doesn't make sense that if... So the Adelaide that is above, mm-hmm. if she's technically the tethered, how is it that her actions are affecting that's, the one that's beneath? That, that's, that's, that's the whole fucking thing with this whole relationship that's that's one of the things that just doesn't make any fucking sense yeah. the like when when we see the scene where uh especially the and that plays a huge factor in the dancing w- when when the boy yeah. walks backwards in order to like make uh pluto go into the fire and stuff we see so, that that there there is sort of this like mimicking really, but really here's the thing Okay, I'm sorry. Please continue. Yeah, no, I'm, no, I'm getting good. ahead of my. No, please. No, 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 I'm, I'm, okay. I'm jumping all over everybody. Um, I'm really sorry. So, just like this film. Actually, I, after we saw the movie, mm-hmm. um, my boyfriend and I saw it. The um, one of the things that I had thought was whether or not Jason was actually Jason. Right. Um, if there was a switch with him as well, mm-hmm. um, and that. I guess under Pluto that he was the one that was walking backwards, convincing Jason essentially, which is the one with the mask. Mm-hmm. So like they flipped their roles. Yeah. Um, if maybe that was Jason, the one with the burned face. And that's why Adelaide lost her shit because she realized that that the one that was being walked into the fire truly is her child. Mm. Versus their revolt, their roles were. I, reversed. I don't think it's a matter. It seems too complex, though. I don't think it's a matter of like that was her child, but like just for the fact of doesn't matter because that's that's that the ch- one that, he's been with. That child is wearing my child's face, and like I still care about them, even though that may not be my child all the same. Like, well, you know. but t- technically speaking, okay, if. I just follow this thought pattern really quick. Right. So if there is an Adelaide as six years old or whatever that age was, if Adelaide got kidnapped and switched and goes downstairs for the rest of her life. Right. That, nah, I'm just <laughs> No, continue, continue, yeah. continue. Okay. So now let's call her Redelaide. Yeah, Redelaide. <laughs> okay. Redelaide now oh, yeah. is the person pretending to be Adelaide for the uh-huh. rest of her life. Okay. So if Redelaide grows up and has a child that looks like Jason, right, or is Jason, mm-hmm. I should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we come through all the events of the film right. and whatnot. Right. If at the moment that Pluto walks backwards, isn't that technically her child, the child she could have had, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. So it's like. Right. So it's. I, I, I guess I'm just articulating exactly what you said, but. But you that, said it much cleaner. No, than no, no, I no. Did. I'm just trying to just so that way. <laughs> If someone's listening, they understand what we mean. Yeah. But that even if that's not her biological child, that is the child she it, – it, I, I hesitate to use this word, but it's kind of like it, an abortion. It is, yeah. That's right, not right. the child she had, but that mm-hmm. is technically the child she could have had had she not made a certain choice right. Right. a long time ago. It's a weird sort of situation with the whole explanation of how Red talked about – the girl in the shadows, like, you know, like she had all the all these toys and had this warm food and the other one didn't have any shit. And then she met her prince and then she then the shadow met Abraham and then like it didn't care. It didn't matter if she loved her or not. It was like because she was attached to her prince and then she had a child and then she had another child where she had to like cut him out. And I'm just like, even if that's true, I'm just like. 
Wait a minute. 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 How how does how does this matching up right now? Because like, literally, you're giving birth to these children that are mirror copies of, of 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 the children up above. But that's not how genetics works. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Don't go down that road. It's Do like think, the, that does not gonna make sense. Do you think when a, a pregnant woman who's tethered, who's the tethered woman downstairs, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, when she gets ready to have birth, do you think have birth? I'm nervous birth. where this is going. Do you <laughs> think that like there's like a good uh, population down there that like just fucking psyched, getting ready, you know, on the on the hospital bed gurney that they were able to, uh, I guess, get from the hospital, I'm, whatever. Right off the Michael Jackson shirt that I'm appears out of the and thin air. they're you know so and they're like okay yes, here we go. I'm ready to push. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, fuck, a C-section. And then, like, you know, their belly just starts to get splitting uh, against their will. And I, it's like fucking alien. I think that it's just an entirely joyless and terrifying. Well, thing. I like I think, my interpretation better. I think the film didn't think that far. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, these are the kind of things I think about. Yeah, Actually, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't think you're wrong to think about it, though. I, I will say that's, that's a problem. I think what us. So uh, what you just said earlier, Tucson, is mm-hmm. that he's had years to think about Get Out, mm-hmm. and it's clear that he needs that kind of time mm-hmm. to truly mm-hmm. parse through his ideas because right. he has great ideas. But when you make a film like this, basically a year after you just made a hit film, yeah. uh, this felt like definitely because that was so successful. No one, and we famously heard in his interview that he did not accept more money so yeah. that a studio couldn't nobody tell him. Would, nobody would fuck and with And it's like, script. well, maybe limitations are good for you, or maybe uh, right. someone over your shoulder will say, you know what? Right. What about the C-sections, Peel? Exactly. Well, <laughs> the the other thing, and, and I'll, I'll finish with my final thoughts yeah. in one minute. Because first, Nick, when we were talking about this afterwards, had a great thought on the mask that uh, the children Uh, wear. Yes. That it was one of the laziest parts of this film. Yeah, so here's my thing, right? (laughs) Um, This is like a first draft mistake, (laughs) in my opinion. Wow. Yeah, sorry. There are other moments in this movie that are great, but this is not one of them. Um, So it is really fucking lazy that uh, now I sound like. Uh, Birdman, you're a fucking lazy fuck. fuck. Anyway, uh, but it is really lazy to have your character of Jason have a predilection to wear masks mm-hmm. just so that when he meets his doppelganger, he has a physical mask to remove mm-hmm. so that way his tethered person will remove it. And you can say... That maybe he's wearing it because his doppelganger, but that makes no sense because it only goes one way. I think that... Or so we perceive. I think that the character of Jason, um, given his relationship within that family and especially to his mom in sort of that way, I think that uh, Jason might be a special needs kid. He might have ADD. I think he definitely has. Yeah, I think he definitely has ADD or something like that. But um, that's still just kind of I know. there. Yeah. yeah, I know, I, yeah. I, all I'm saying is there's it, – it, <laughs> to, to say that Jason is that because he wears a mask mm-hmm. doesn't quite give – Credit to special needs kids. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so. Yeah, I'm not yeah. willing to go the full nine years. I know. Yeah, yeah. So, know. so just to to tie up my 
opening thoughts. I didn't think this film was that great. Uh, I I got caught up on a ton of things throughout this, and overall, this is not the film that I usually enjoy. So, um, and that being said, um, I'm, I'm willing to definitely give this another try at some point because this isn't in the same ballpark as something like Suspiria or even something like Hereditary where I've made my mind up on mm-hmm. basically every detail of it. Um, you walk out and you've pretty much gotten everything you're going to get out of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, even though I, I I feel like I'm pretty sure on, on how I feel about this, and I don't think my feelings will change that much just because I don't think uh, this was nearly as well put together as something like Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that there are still are great things here that Jordan Peele delivered. Um, the opening scene is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lighting, the sound design, the coloring with the carnival in the background and the beach. Um Pretty much masterclass filmmaking, um, and un- unfortunately, I don't think the film ever gets back to that level for me, uh, mm-hmm. at least from a visual level. So, okay, yeah, overall, wasn't a big fan. Yeah, um, I have one last thing I don't want to preempt you. Ah! It's all right, go ahead. Um, I wanted to ask about the theory about where the tethered came from or who created the tethered. Um, I don't. I don't care. I have no opinion. You have no opinion whatsoever. Yeah, no, and I'm not just saying that to I, like move this conversation. Like I genuinely, I, I, I know that that it's it's pretty much the preempt. This the, movie doesn't support the, any sort of background. I know this for yeah. the, the, the preeminent theory for that is that the government created the tethered for whatever reason, some type of population control or shit like that, okay. um, because of the earlier. Um, sort of quote from the daughter Zora where she's like, Oh, do you did you hear about the uh, government putting fluoride in our, our water supply in yeah. order to control us or something like that? Like that was sort of like the tangential like line that we tried to like create like who would actually have the resources to do the sort of things the that government would not create a lower class. And I don't mean that like okay, I know hold on before you say, <laughs> Oh, but the government does create one. I don't mean that <laughs> literally that's not, what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. That's, well I'm, All I'm saying I'm is, I'm saying the government has 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 on record done okay. crazy fucked. We're talking up about shit the real government. To, yes, the real government okay. has done really crazy fucked up. But shit. But you can't take this movie literally. No, I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm like, just saying, like, MK Ultra is an actual real fucking thing that happened. Okay, I'm just gonna rescind what I said. I'm sorry. Because, no, like, no, 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 no. Like, I mean like, that because there's literally like, I I, I have no passion to try to prove it anyway right, right. all i'm it's saying like, is the government doesn't fucking exist in this movie right because apparently the entire world can be completely uh destroyed by the people who have the ex- same exact genetic makeup as here, themselves here, since yeah. i'm 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 stepping all over everybody else again but but we're that we do this on this yeah. podcast so that's okay every every now and then i'm really sorry Sam. no you guys sorry. are good okay um no we're not and Actually, right, this is not, kind of but... a microcosm of how I feel about the film, because I think the Hands Across America thing could have been great, but yet it's turned into this giant aspect of the film at the end, and mm-hmm. I thought it was fucking stupid. I think that... Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> Thank actually, you. I think that the, the Hands Across America um, element of this film... I have, I have, I have a final thought for that, and I'm going to say that for my final thought. But I will circle back to that later on. Um, Great. Hey. Hey. Um, 
kind of starting off with the Hands Across America portion, um, I think for as much as I wanted this to go further, it didn't quite get there to me. Um, I was in it, and I was along for the ride, um, but I don't feel like it actually reached its its peak that it could have, I guess. Um, or at least it's not a peak that I anticipated it reaching. Um, so, but that's, that's for, for the ending. Um, in general though, I was very much in love with the aesthetic of this film. Mm -hmm. Um, then again, I, I mean, other films that we've talked about that have a very similar aesthetic, I have an affinity for. Um, I, I love darker color schemes and the lighting that is, you know, very contrasted. Um, I think one of the, there are a couple of scenes, I actually made a note about it. Um, give me a second. I lost it. Um, so there were two scenes in particular, one of them being, um, so after the, the tethered family enters the, the home, there's that panoramic shot or like that circular shot of them kind of in that, in the space. Um, and that to me was really lovely just to kind of being able to put the audience in that, that seat of chaos, um, which was really nice to me, especially for this film. And I know you guys have mentioned it prior, but for the first 30 minutes or so, you're like, all right, I like this. This there's, there's a solid blend of humor and, um, and morbidity, I guess. Um, or of like, um, that horror there's element. Dread. Yeah. Um, suspense, thrill, if you will. Um, elevated horror, if you will. <laughs> elevated horror. Can, can I, can I say another aspect of that, which I actually think works to this film's benefit is I think that those opening scenes that you're describing in the way you're describing them actually work even better because of the promotional material that was delivered yes. for this film, that we know exactly what's going to be coming. So we are already anticipating that. Yes. And yet we have to watch it with this. And I think it actually works in this case. I agree. And I, I know, um, I know you and I had chatted about this, about the one, um, it was like the, the fold, um, or like, it was like the, so if you look yeah, at it from standee. one angle, yes, the yes. standee, yeah. um, mm -hmm. where from one angle, it's the one family, other angle, it's that the was, other. That was, that was, that was, um, that, that was like for, uh, the very more clever than anything in the movie. Well, Ooh. that's, that's, <laughs> I I would agree with that. But, Damn. Sound just but, set up. Um, Damn. For, for an industry that doesn't have a lot of original things happening True. in the physical it's a, it's theater. It's a low bar. It, it is a low bar, but it is refreshing to actually see something that is a try and not just a poster with a head cut out so you can go and be the surfer in that scene like or some shit like that. <laughs> So be I, the tethered. I want washboard abs. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking Tan about washboard. Abs. I'm thinking about no. me and Tucson. I'm proud of my whiteness. I'm thinking about me and Tucson spending way too much time standing in the subway for the Zootopia standing. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> I remember Jesus that. Yes. Yeah. Oh god. But no, that the the us where you move from one side of the room to the other and you see the different. Mm -hmm. Oh, that that was really well put together. And I, to, I think you make a, a great point about that. There's already a sense of suspense mm -hmm. that, that you're walking into the film with. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what makes the the beginning half as good as it is. Um, I think something that I very much enjoyed about this film that I don't know if others did is that it takes its time. Um, so I know, especially in like the first beginning portion, uh, initially I was kind of like, all right, this can like speed up a little bit. Let's get to the good stuff. But at the same time, I truly appreciated that. Like it was that just like backing out and you're like, all right, kind of setting everything up that the credits are going. There's nothing like on top of it. It's there's, I guess it's a finer appreciation for, kind of setting the scene if you will yeah you you have to you have to define your characters for the entire film in that opening 30 minutes as you will not be able to do anything else with them once the action begins and that was something that i very much liked and even in the even in certain moments throughout too when it came to like certain killings or things like that or Mm. even just so um when Zora and Jason are in the house, um, and they, she has the golf club. They're they're at the white people's house, um, and they're trying to figure the out whites. <laughs> um, they're trying to. That would have been great if that was actually their last name. Right? I kind of would have been okay with that. Um, they're trying to find like where Adelaide is, I think, or they're like they're trying to yeah. that that portion. Um, and I and all you hear is you know fuck the police in the background. And it's, there's no, you know, dialogue between them. It's very much them just being in the space. And, and I, from a theatrical standpoint, I appreciate that. Um, well, the, the other part about that, uh, and that actually was, was those two musical choices I actually thought were fantastic. Yeah. The fuck the police playing just in the total background of everything that's going on. Yes. It, just a, kind of a, uh, not mundane necessarily, but just kind of there just yeah. happened to be there yeah. in a house where there's white people dead on the floor. I thought very interesting. Yes. Um, it's kind of like not like a like necessarily like an on the nose choice for music choice, but the Beach Boys. Uh, yes. Good, good vibrations. Good vibrations. Um, it, it was a little on the nose, but I thought it was fantastic at the yeah. same time. And the, the look of the blood on the white speaker also, too. Oh, that, mm-hmm. yeah. That's just an aesthetically pleasing look. Yeah. So. And I think Good that's, choices. That, for me, is what really what I very much enjoyed. Um, I think upon seeing it a second time, I would probably look at other components. But after seeing it only for one time, um, that was something... I'm typically a visual person when it comes mm-hmm. to films and in theater as well, just because that's... It's a visual not, medium. Yeah, it's it's a visual medium. Also, too, speaking of uh, seeing films in the theater, uh, myself and Nick's uh, time at the theater for oh, this no. is oh. just another explanation of why maybe we should be viewing films at home. <laughs> oh, no. no. It's why they should be viewing films at home. <laughs> And it's it's not it's it's little things usually. There's not usually somebody vaping in front of you, yeah. or oh, somebody geez. talking about or like you know belly laughing at a mm. woman getting murdered by men. These are literally uh, things that have happened in our yeah. In our oh, but it's films. it's just little things like people not understanding that it's dark in a movie theater. Um, Turn your fucking phone off. Oh, there was a person who turned your at their phone, phone off. Yeah, that was the entire film. <laughs> then get out. 
Then get the the fuck out of my theater so I can watch my movie that I paid for, dude. Or just, you know, basic arithmetic. Um, because the when we fucking went, guy who's in the Rod C. I'm sorry, but we and I'm <laughs> I'm Darth Vader when it comes to assigned seating in movie theaters. Yes, he holds his hands up and the guy chokes to death, and that's it. Pretty much, I would <laughs> if I could. Yeah. Uh, but I walked. I don't up want there to. And I could see very plainly as I was walking up there that there was one seat where there should be two uh, empty seats, I should say, mm-hmm. and I could very clearly see that the two people who were sitting one in the right seat. One in the wrong seat wanted to leave a seat between them and the people, and it's yeah. like you, you can't do that in a full theater. So anyway, I walked up to them and I said, "I'm sorry, but uh, you're in our seat." If he just would have said, like, "Oh, sorry," yeah, I mean, whatever. But no, oh no, we have five and six. And I, like, oh, no, no, yeah. He goes, "Well," so I was like, "Yeah, you're in the wrong <laughs> seats." And he goes, "Well, we have three and four. And I was like, "Why are you in five and four then?" And then yeah. he's like, "Oh." And then the, he didn't even fucking lower his thing because I think he was like embarrassed or something. Which like whatever. Yeah. So then I, don't I had give to, a fuck if you're embarrassed. Get out of my seat. Well, no, no. But I'm saying then I had to back into its I had to climb into it because up. he left it up. I'm like I'm not a fucking fetus. Hashtag short people problems. <laughs> the 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 lady walking into the theater first of all, uh, showing up to a movie ten minutes after it started. Whatever. I mean, it's not what I do, but. That's not how everyone is. You do you. Just be fucking quiet. Okay. Yes. Because, and not only be quiet, don't loudly proclaim, oh my goodness, it's so dark, I can't see anything. It's a theater! theater! (laughs) Yes. This is what what I'm thinking the whole time. But this lady just keeps going on. I can't, where, oh, I can't see anything. Where am I going? I'm like... Lady, like, we are trying to find out what is going on with Hands Across America here. You want to know what I would have done? uh, Is a giant, like, shush, sit the fuck down. Good for you. Especially if I'm, well, that's that's if I'm a little cranky. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, but, it's, it's, it's just, one of those Just things. be like the fucking, uh, I don't know, the studio logo at the end of, like, The Simpsons where it's like, shh, ba-da-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum, <laughs> sit the fuck down. I don't even know what that 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 that, that studio is. I just remember it from memory. You oh, know? Yeah. James L. Brooks is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, really quickly, and I'm sorry, Sam, because no, it's still gonna, your turn, worry, no. and I'm 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 just doing this. It's this, okay. This yeah. is what I do, unfortunately. That's all right. Oh. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Nick just crushed a can yeah um and you guys being tucson and sam would, yeah. wouldn't know this <laughs> but nick would be able to comment on this at least um but the idea of seeing a television with other media works and clearly being able to know what they are mm-hmm. uh happening just happened in a film that me and nick just saw in the theater two weeks ago called climax oh. the new gesper noe film oh really and Obviously, I don't think that it's like a thing that's being overused or anything like that, but it's just like a mental thing of just seeing that being like, oh, mm. someone got to this first. Yeah, I feel that. So, but I still would appreciate it because mm. it is interesting to see all the other works that probably had some kind of inspiration leading up to this. Yeah, it was meant to just like, you know, denote what was the time period just for the fact of like the technology that was on display and the type of uh, media that yeah. was popular back then especially with chud i think <laughs> that was interesting i never um the 
the whole reason why even Chud was in there was not even for the anachronism, which is about, you know, underground, like, yeah. like creatures and stuff like that, but because it was interesting, uh, Jordan Peele explained in an interview that, yeah, his first girlfriend, um, her father was the director of Chud. I'm just like, oh, so that's like their person, his personal like connection to that by how, however many degrees. And I'm just like, that's kind of interesting, actually. <laughs> So. Yeah. so, Sam, please continue. No, don't worry about it. No, uh, I, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so it's not you; it's us. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. What else? Um, uh, I think so. One of the other things that I, um, I guess I had not necessarily a problem with, um. But I guess it wasn't – I wasn't a fan of it, if you will, mm-hmm. um, was while I and, – and this kind of harkens back to a little bit of our previous conversation. Um, I appreciate that this is a think piece in some ways, um, in many ways. Um, but at the same time, I, I second the conversation of I don't know if it had enough time to steep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a little bit more time would have been necessary to kind of fully flesh out everything, um, especially since there's a lot of nuances in here that I think if you give them more time and if you kind of you you weed out any of those, like, I guess, smaller loops and feedback loops and, and sort of. Um, but like Sanders had to come ends. out before the 2020 election. We don't know how that's going to shake out. Oh Beto's God. on the upswing. Right. Sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> literally 19 months away. Um, no. I, no? What? I know, I know. Oh, I thought you said I said no. no. <laughs> I think it should have had more time to come into its own, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, because in, initially in the moment and after watching it, I was like, wow, that was that was phenomenal. This is great. Everything's awesome. Um but I think after maybe like a few days time, um, I kind of started thinking back through it occasionally throughout the day. And I was like, oh, but you know, I wonder if this is what's necessary or kind of coming back to it. And I, while I appreciate that about a film, like I, I mean, I'll be honest. So my dad and I had watched Inception when it first came out mm-hmm. and we literally sat and watched it a second time through. Like, mm-hmm. so first time finished, we sat through the credits, we looked at each other and we go, Put it on again. Yeah. And that was what we did because mm-hmm. we wanted to figure it out. Um, and I think with this film. You don't I, feel it's going to actually reward that effort? Yes. Okay. I, I felt. And it's a weird it's a weird space to be in. Yeah. Because I felt content leaving mm-hmm. because I was like, all right, cool. Thread's been closed. We're good. But that's, at the same time, I don't feel like it truly has. But I don't want it to be a setup for a sequel. No. I think that was my greatest concern with the ending. Yeah. Um, that and also just, I know it's supposed to be surreal, but at the same time, how are you getting all these hands across the world um, or across America when there's like bodies of water you got to cross and mm-hmm. all that sort of logistics? Um, Some of them are going to wear floaties. <laughs> um, but I, and, and to you're kind just, of. You're speaking to the actual logistics of. What hands of Amer- hands across America was even yes. was supposed to do, which actually yeah. failed in real life. Like, well, and that's an interesting thing Only to bring up Forrest too. Gump. Yeah. Um, 
I and I think something else that kind of intrigues me about this is that they're supposed to be I mean these people are doppelgangers for for a lack of you yeah. know it, the, to the short and sweet of it mm-hmm. um, and at the same time I don't fully believe it um, and I I think if it if it had been again fleshed out a little bit more or if there was a little bit more substance beyond and and kind of giving um hey why should we care about this for that that world below if you will i think i would have been more apt to be scared i guess of the of of the tethered um because even though yeah they were kind of scary i mean there's they're killers um but at the same time i wasn't necessarily terrified by them Mm. and i i think the what was set up to be super terrifying fell short in that aspect that the tethered don't necessarily they didn't necessarily terrify me or they didn't give that that horror vibe to me that they should have or that maybe some other people might have perceived they were a slasher villain at best, yeah. in my opinion, or they were off screen at worst. Because yeah. I mean, that's a lot happens literally off screen. Off screen. I, I think that a, a lot of the horror necessarily of of the tethered is loaded into just a like a, like a, a a primal sort of like fascination and also revulsion for like reflections. Because I was reading mm-hmm. this really interesting article from the Paris Review that talked about and the underground. In the underground, it was like the the idea of every single culture has its own sort of myths and superstitions when it comes to mirrors. Like mm-hmm. in hospitals, like you're supposed to like not look at mirrors or like drape things over mirrors. Like in the case of like well, yeah, somebody because dumped... you're in the hospital, you probably look like shit. Yeah. Or it's like, or even like the idea of like Narcissus who like stared into like a reflection and, and, dra- and drowned himself yeah. because he was trying to like embrace that reflection and stuff yeah. like that. Well, yeah. It's like, yeah, here's what I'll say as to what you're saying, mm-hmm. Sam, in that I'm completely with you. And I think what you're speaking to too is kind of what I thought was this film's, most abject failure which is that before this film came out jordan peele in certain interviews was billing this as a movie in which characters reconciled with themselves and that they were going to truly face uh, a side of themselves or you know uh, which sounds right in line with a lot of doppelganger yeah. horror or thrillers i've seen like coherence uh the double with jesse eisenberg um, even another Earth, another Earth, where yeah. that's even more abstract than this movie yeah. is, considering <laughs> you don't get to see them interact until the credits, um, and and so on and so forth. And in my opinion, that was uh, bullshit and misleading on Peel's part because no character in this movie, except for Adelaide, gets to face themselves because everybody else is facing a literal, uh, shall we say, non evolved version of themselves. Like yes. they don't have time to process whether this is a reflection of themselves. Now I know you can say, well allegorically they're facing their, you know, place in the world. Mm-hmm. But no, none of these characters are in any way they get over the shock of the fact that the DNA is the same and then they realize, but 
these are basically little test rabbits, so it doesn't really matter. And only Adelaide is technically confronted with any kind of semblance of having to fight herself because she's not from this world, literally. And technically speaking, A, as a first-time viewer, you don't get that because you don't understand, uh, even if you guess it, you don't have confirmation that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And B, as a second-time viewer, it actually only confuses the film's message because let's say, um, let's take one of the more humane scenes in this film before the doppelgangers come. Uh, one of the best scenes I thought the first time I watched it was the scene between uh, Lupita and um, whatever his name is, I forget, but, uh, you know, the dad. Winston Duke? Yeah, Winston Duke. And mm-hmm. um, where's the pillow talk where he wants to get some, and then she's like, well, I got some trauma. Where you want to go? And, um, <laughs> and they hash that out. And in my opinion, that scene makes no sense if you know who she is. I'm not saying she can't have some kind of form of, shall we say, you know, I don't know, I guess. I wouldn't call it PTSD. I'd call it just, you know, like, oh, yeah, we definitely don't want to go there. And you can say she's just acting for Winston Duke. But here's the thing. If that's all an act, then you just lost one of your most humane moments in the film. And you're then taking the only section of the film, which was dealing with character emotions. And whatnot, and you're literally throwing away the foundation of what made the horror even palatable that follows it. So I, I just don't think this movie was thought through. I think this movie was thought of, yeah. and I'm glad it was, and I'm glad it was made. But no. I think I agree with that that point. It's like what what like sort of harkening back to that very scene that you're you're discussing. Um, after she sort of like makes her confession to Gabe yeah. about like why she has so much so much anxiety about the Santa Cruz beach, and she talks about the the coincidences that have been happening. I was like. What the fuck does that mean? What right, the right. fuck did the com- well, how did the fucking coincidences yeah, then that, that, that was com- commute but to the proximity of the tethered she with was, the human beings? It doesn't make any fucking sense. But here's sense. the thing: if she was the real Adelaide, it would make sense. Like you could just take that as like something happened to me a long time ago, and now I'm back in this area, and weird shit is still happening. But it doesn't make sense if we know that she is actually the other person. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why it makes sense on yeah. a first-time viewing. I mean, it makes enough sense, I mean, to go along mm-hmm. with it. But the logic, and I'm not trying to poke plot holes. I'm just saying right. the characters make no sense in their arc because at any given time, Peel is too concerned with presenting one reality that is false so that when the trap door opens and we <laughs> fall down, oh, down the, when we fall down the rabbit yeah. hole. Oh, um, no, that's actually definitely. I know. But yeah, um, I know. that it, it, he didn't quite think whether this still makes sense even with his and – I, and I'm not going to uh, – just say, well, it's abstract, so who cares? No. No, I've you seen could... Holy Motors. I know what fucking abstract looks like, yes. and it can still be coherent. Agreed. And not to mention, your entire climax is a – and it's a scene that most people are raving about, and I kind of get it, but kind of don't. Um, but your entire climax happens with the split diameter of your one character telling the other one everything that happened. Okay, if you're going to stop the film – and explain the downstairs subway, whatever, mm-hmm. with actual clips of it, then you've broken all pretense that this can only be taken allegorically. Because 
I'm sorry, but an allegory is a story told. So if he kept it as a story told and only rested on Lupita's I, Lupita's faces as they process and receive this information, then that makes sense. But you cannot stop your film for five minutes of exposition with video proof of that exposition, which also only fucking looks like Jordan Peele's played The Sims too many times and taken the ladder out of the pool. It's just, it's one of those things where it makes no sense because you cannot have it both ways if you're going that far deep. The ladder represents class mobility. <laughs> so, uh, so, something Jesus that... Jesus Christ, you left them to die. <laughs> so, so, something that I haven't uh, really thought about. They too. all look like stupid sims. They, oh they talk about you. Me, boo, ba, moo, ma, me, boo, ma, ma. Some of the... Ding, ding. Whoopee! I'm getting a taste of my own medicine here. I'm trying to get a thought out. Sorry. Yeah. Nope. No, I'm well deserved. Uh, I, I'm interested actually in uh, Adelaide's parents, um, who obviously are not that big part of this film, but I think they should have been more. Which is which is another part that that really kind of. Uh, and and I get I, I first just of, give up on her. We're led to well, believe that yeah, they. That, we're yeah. led to believe well, that we they. Well, we know that one of them died. They, that yeah. they broke that. I I think that what I was meant to infer from their scenes when she was younger and like going through like the counseling and stuff like that, uh, and the fact that we only see uh, family photos of the the daughter Adelaide and the mother. And we see, like, this painting of, like, what we soon to be, like, the grandmother and, like, one of the children um, that they broke, that they divorced at some point and then the mother died. Here's the thing, though, I guess what I'm getting at. And this, I think, is is more of a microcosm of of my complaints about this film in general is that I feel like the parents – there's nothing there. No, like like there, this. This is a caricature that we found in the father. He instead of watching the daughter is playing whack a mole instead. Like, wh- like this is the best we could do. Like I, 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 that part didn't bother me. But here's what I'll say: the scenes because that's part of the prologue, and that whole entire scene was from, in my opinion, the child's perspective. And, and then, I don't mean that literally, like, but just okay. that's just kind of like a distant parent who just kind of gets lost. And how, how about how about him literally leaving the therapy session to go out for cigarettes? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I actually uh-huh. kind of kind of that appreciate that. But felt it, like a he went and got cigarettes and never came back. No, and, <laughs> and, 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 and I agree. But and I, I don't mean that literally. But I, I feel like this is a. You know, this is a film that spends a lot of time and focused on, you know, the the pros and cons of, of someone's someone's existence, someone's life, someone's choices, and yet the people involved with this girls and even if we see the original in the beginning and then there's a different view at the end, which actually probably would have been a better film. Uh, anyways, the the parent characters should have been written better in my opinion only because written they, more. They, they, i think that's, well, that's the big thing. maybe but that they're they they are way more important to the final product in this film that we see and yet 
they are just written as throwaway characters, in my opinion. They no, and I I think what you're latching on to is basically that I would agree. But here's mm-hmm. what I'm getting from them, which is that okay. though their scenes represent the worst of who I think Jordan Peele is most like, which is M Night Shyamalan, mm-hmm. which is that. Those scenes are only in there so that way at one point the mother can say, I just want my daughter back. Wink, wink. Like that's actually I think the only purpose of those early scenes is so that way when you rewatch And that it's viewed through a mirror from her perspective. Nick is now doing the voice. (laughs) No, I have asthma. Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Final thoughts? I'm here for your family. (laughs) What if that was her voice? That'd be weird. Steve Urkel? Yeah. <laughs> do they have helium down. down there? Did I change. do that? I'm kidding. Of course they did. We're tethered. Yeah. <laughs> I call this the untethering. All right, but this what, film what? would be totally different, and I'd be in to watch it. Mm-hmm. Y- yes. It'd be painful, but I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for this. Can, can we can we write the uh, can we write the uh, angry Ghostbusters fans letter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you redo First this? First of all, I do want to say it wasn't just character? enough to kill you. I have to send a message. I do want to say on the topic of the Ghostbusters, angry fans and whatnot, that everything I've said on this podcast, take it with a grain of salt, because I've never actually watched this movie. The um, first one? No, I was making a joke about us because that's how everybody talked about the Ghostbusters movie. Really? Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, God. the girl. The, oh yeah. The, girl, the, yeah. the female. The Girlbusters. Girl no, version. The female. Everybody was like, "I'm not gonna go see this movie." But here's why it sucks. So. At least they had Chris Hemsworth in there to mat it up. Yeah, they did. Yeah, there's some weird. There's some weird Top Gun feelings going on there. Yep. Look. I didn't want to go see the Ghost in the Shell movie. I went to go see it fucking twice. I went to go see it fucking twice just so I would have a fucking I, – I could actually have some that, basis for my fucking opinion on it. That's what Tucson got out of that. We we were talking about Ghostbusters. No, I, will, no, Ghost no, I was thinking – no, I was talking about like people who – You heard Ghost. Who have, and, the, have, yeah. who have the gall to – They like, both have Ghost in the title. To, to, to fucking like, and, upload yeah. these 30-minute like takedowns of a fucking movie that they haven't even fucking seen. Yeah. Like – Grow the fuck up! No, those are those are real people. They yeah, do. I know they're real people. <laughs> they deserve yeah. our time. Yeah. So, final thoughts. Uh, I think I'll actually go first. Okay. Since I I feel like even though I have an opinion on this film, um, I don't necessarily know if my opinion really matters as much as as other people's. Even though I know it does. I've always thought that, to be honest. Okay. That's. <laughs> Very understandable. That it is lower or higher? Oh, than lower, others. definitely lower. <laughs> that was a joke. No, I just <laughs> meant that Europe. <laughs> uh, at any rate, no. Uh, this again, uh, I've said this before. When we've talked about other horror films, but this isn't my kind of movie to start with. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, uh, this just wasn't really my bag. So I'm giving this a two out of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did enjoy aspects of this film, and I, I I do think I will give this another shot sometime down the road. Not in the theater. Don't need to have that experience again. Yeah, you don't. But at the same time, uh, I I think this was a step backward for Jordan Peele, uh, and I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing because I think, especially in terms of finding what you are as a filmmaker and i'm not saying that he hasn't had previous accomplishments and other things yeah but i think you know people who are great filmmakers 
need to have Time. need to throw things at the wall that right. don't work. Right. Um, and when I was talking with Nick about this uh, after reviewing the film, I compared this to something like how I feel about Alex Garland. As I did not for annihilation. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I see I, where you're coming from. Yeah, I loved Ex Machina. Yeah, and I was disappointed with Annihilation. Yeah, and I feel similarly with these two films that Jordan Peele has put out. Annihilation was like one of my most anticipated films of last year. Of last year, simply yeah. for the fact of the source material and for the person who was helming it. And while I did enjoy that film for what it was, and I was. Pretty much, I was pretty on board from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say, I can't even remember where it even squared on my top six. Um, I know that it probably didn't square very highly, like anywhere in like the top three or anything like that. But yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 uh, just thinking back on it, and just like it hasn't really aged yeah. as well for me. But, but the other part is too, is that Jordan Peele in his second cinematic effort uh, yeah. is already held in such high esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, most people out there are throwing rose petals at his feet right now, and that's fine, too. Um, but this one just really wasn't for me. Yeah. So two out of five for me for us. Yeah. Who wants to go next? I'll go really quick. I, you know, I've been pretty negative on this, and I think the movie kind of deserves it, mostly because there's going to be enough people that say positive things about it, so I'm not feeling like I'm adding to the noise. But... And you're not being a contrarian. You're just sort of like expressing what I feel as someone who enjoyed this film. Yeah. I feel like these are all very valid. I, I, I share in many of these same criticisms of yeah. the film. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, it's a thing where it's like, I enjoyed watching this movie, but everything I've articulated about this film basically sheds a light on what I did not enjoy thinking about this movie Mm -hmm. you know like i thought this was a good experience not quite a great uh experiment so to speak um so i i give this a three out of five personally because it just aired on the side of like i'm into this kind of shit but that's the thing i'm into this kind of shit i love doppelganger shit i love this kind of like twilight zone-esque premise as far as just take one idea and you know stretch it uh, as far as you can, and then have some kind of twist ending to wrap it all together. Like that's that's exactly what this is. Mm. Um, but I just think that there were so many times in which Jordan Peele was too uh, unrestrained in his uh, uh, attempts here, because there is enough with this idea to mine from that we didn't need to go to other mine shafts, you know? And I think for a movie that literally starts with a little girl walking through a house of mirrors and an owl literally says, who, 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 who are you? Ha, ha, ha. I know animals. Um, (laughs) And for it to then end in a place in which a character explains that everything beyond the house of mirrors is a literal I know it's an allegorical but is a literal solution to this um, man this did not learn the golden lesson from the Wizard of Oz which is you better have something behind that curtain that will actually support the mystery of that yeah. what's behind the curtain yeah. if you're going to pull it. Or and we're going to have a class uprising and we're going to fucking eat you. Yeah. yeah, or you just have a shitty movie. But um, <laughs> the thing is, it, it, if you don't, you can still make a good movie. Mm. Just don't go that far in pulling it back. Yeah. Right. Because 
horror is the unseen. So where this movie fails is in what it shows. It's one thing to be unrestrained, but when it comes to a lack of restraint, it has to also be compensated with a presence of self-discipline and Mm -hmm. of a focus. And I feel like while I do not believe that he lacks self-discipline, it's like he doesn't have – He's focusing on so many different things and try to cohere them into a single film mm-hmm. that it ends up compromising the 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 sort of the af- the effect of the whole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess uh, if I'm going to be going next, I echo like Nick's sentiments in that I think that this was a film that I am very thankful that it was fought of, even though I don't think it was entirely fought through. Um, all of the the criticisms that I mentioned before um, still hold ground in this. I think that it's something that it's very – when it comes to horror and science fiction, I love premises that are very lean and perhaps utilitarian on the surface. But once you like peel them back and you're like looking at them more, they reveal more dimensions under scrutiny. It becomes very Peelian. Shut the fuck <laughs> up with – get that – Get that shit! Uh, no, we we are we're banning that word. We're banning that word on this podcast. We're not going to say it again. I mean, you literally said "peel it back." I, I mean, uh, that's on, a different. That's Nick's a di- murder that's you, different thing. Okay. Right, anyway, no. he respects me. Oh my god! Oh my god! Anyway, um, yeah, all of my my criticisms for this film still bear fruit, even for the fact that I have seen it twice, and I think that my impression of it has improved like i enjoy the film more because now i'm on its wavelength and i understand what it's going for and i appreciate what it's going for but i still can't put out of my mind the the literal formalist like the little the literal formalist um mistakes that were made in the in the process of, of of sort of like trying to like bring this film together in 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 service of that allegory i think that um sort of trying to to cap it off the the message about the hands across america um like motif like the the the, the whole thing at, at the, the beginning and at the end of this film uh i look at it sort of focused through the lens of what Adelaide told Jason after she rescued him from the locker and she's all frenzied and it's like, you know, look, it's me. It's me. It's like, remember, they can't hurt you. And it's like, don't worry. Things are going to be okay. Things are going to go back to the way they were before. And I feel like that line is so important given the fact that of what this film is, is that it's a, it is a intersectional social horror film in the wake of the era of Trump. And I feel like that is, that one line is a sentiment which carries over to so many, of, like to to our actual like lived experience, and just like, oh man, can't wait for that Mueller report to get released, man. It's like, don't worry, everything's gonna be okay. Oh man, I can't wait for 2020. Everything's gonna be okay. No, it's not. No, it's fucking not. And I'm not trying to say that to be nihilistic or or, or negative. And I'm just like, things are not just going to get better for the fact of like the passage of time, the passive passage of time. This happened, and things 
are not going to go back to the way that they were. They can't go back yeah, to the we, way. Maybe they shouldn't go back to the way they were, but we have to find a way forward out of this sort of like situation that they're in. And as long as you don't confront it, then it will only get worse. The, the, the hands across America, the very literal scarlet rift that is being torn across the very nation that you see will only continue to entrench itself and get more and more long for the fact of you trying to run away from it. And that's what I think that 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 to me is 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 what that's meant to represent. Can I say something really quick? Yeah. In response to what you're saying, just no. to play devil's <laughs> advocate. No, sir. please. Never mind. <laughs> Go ahead. We will never get to find out what he wanted to say. <laughs> I just want to say because yeah. I think what you're saying is interesting about especially that line as said from uh, Redelade to yeah. to uh, Jason. Redelade um, sounds like some type of like spray that you use to get rid of ants or something. Maybe. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. What you're saying is a spot on interpretation of that statement in a horror film in the era of Trump. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. that statement is a message delivered in a vehicle by a character who is more malicious than the baseline and who has selfish interest of the baseline of the average quote-unquote American. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, the, it's like the film's idea of that and what you're saying cancel each other out mm-hmm. because it's like two wrongs don't make a right. And for her to say that, I, I just feel like the satire is basically void or not satire, or whatever you want to call it, the the commentary. Yeah, the commentary. Thank you. The commentary is null and void if it's being spoken by a character who has to say that uh, to pacify an unsuspecting and trusting American. So, if we circle back then and we say that, okay, so <clears throat> well, isn't that kind of like real life in the sense that we're being soothed and placated? Mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily. Battle lines are being drawn, but we don't have a literal sleeper agents right, <laughs> in right, our right. Uh, left and right side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. So I also don't buy that as something that is either A, intentional, or B, worthwhile to gleam from this movie. And I'm not saying right, right, that right, you right. can't get that from this right, movie. right, right. But like, I, I guess I just felt like I could not articulate that sort of for this episode. I, 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 I get where you're you're coming from. It's like sort of a counterpoint to that, I guess. Is so you're you're, you're saying that with with Redelade, her intentions are more sinister and selfish for the fact of like telling that to somebody who essentially should be trusting her implicitly, given that sort of situation. I think especially because she doesn't want to go back down. Of course, she doesn't want to go back down, but I think that it's 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 also a matter of she's trying to – she's as much lying to herself as she is lying to him. Why does she need to, though? Because she's gotten a better life for herself. Right. She's able to her, – her plan worked in a sense mm-hmm. from the moment she hatched it. Uh, from when she was six years old, she's still able to pull it off, so to speak, mm. um, in the end, and she'll do anything to protect it, which I do think is slightly pointed in this era of Trump. In the sense, but what does that say if her interests as our de facto protagonist and person that we're ostensibly trying to root for, mm. I, I would say pre-twist, 
that they align with the very people that I think most of us around this table uh, are sharing that sentiment with, which is I will lie to my, myself or to my family to protect my own selfish interests yeah. and not extend uh, – it's just – it's weird because when we talk about upward and social mobility, mm. how does this movie still actually get a message across about that if it centers around a character who so selfishly sold out her entire people mm. uh, just – or I just say basically committed genocide uh, and yet will it, – it's kind of like um, – uh, what's the word I want to say really quick? Um, uh, Passing? No, I was going to say, like, during the uh, French occupation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's like Germans who weren't Nazis, but... Oh, they were complicit. complicit. Yeah, complicit, yeah. And it's like, well, okay, those in and of itself should not be the heroes of, shall we say, occupation World War II films, but oftentimes they are because yeah. we like to yeah. deal in that gray area right. of like well human beings are fallible mm-hmm. uh, I just think that's exactly what's happening here because Jordan Peele is way more obsessed with the twist than he is with the message alright it's just nothing this I, I, this movie is speaking and shouting and I feel like his, all the horror aspects of this the, the twist the whatever uh, none of it is actually going to fall on anybody's ears because it is too obsessed with the imagery. It's, it's the mm. abstract obscuring the literal message. Mm. This is a very good conversation because it is actually affecting my final rating just, as of right now. I was like, yeah. so, just wanted to throw that out. No, there. I think that yeah. no, that this this is really this is a good point. Um, I will say at least final capping off before I give my rating. This film has one of my favorite scenes of the year, and that's the fight mm-hmm. between um, Red and Adelaide. And I'm, I would be very surprised if that did not come up in our uh, top six for 2019 because it is, it is already a standout. Um, I think that for my rating as of now in this moment, it would be a two and a half out of five. I was originally... It was originally a two and a half, then it moved up to a three. But now after this conversation, I'm sort of still back in the middle. And it's not for a, a, a lack of enjoying this film. It's just that the, the sort of – the mechanical shortcomings of this film along with sort of the, the, the emphasis on the, the twist and not so much on the message that it feels like it was not fought through but it was – it's thankfully fought of like – all of that sort of culminates into a it is it is it is functional by dint of the fact that it has a beginning a middle and an end but other than that when you really scrutinize it and, and take it apart it's it's not just the the normal like you just turn your brain off and think of something else it's like it wants you to scrutinize it, it wants you to, to 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 think about it, it wants you to, to dissect it and take it apart but it feels like it is trying to have its cake and eat it too. And it's like, I want you to pay attention to these things, but don't take pay, pay attention to these things. Okay. That's just a horror film. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how to, how to, how to square that. It's, it's, it's a really weird. It's like, I was like, I don't want you to carve all the way down. I just want you to zigzag around the part that I don't yeah. want you to eat. And I was just like, that's kind of weird. Maybe you want to rebake this cake, bro. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I guess I'll finish it out. Um, 
So going into this film, I anticipated a lot. Um, and I am nervous to, to state it, but I feel like it did not come to what I wanted it to, to ultimately achieve. Um, and I think part of that was the hype of it. Um, but I deeply appreciate that, I mean, a film like this has been more recognized, um, which is a positive thing to see, um, especially from an upcoming, you know, and, and from a very new or like fresh blood um, individual. Um, I think he still has room for growth um, as this is only his second major film. Um, but I, that said, I'm not n deeply disappointed. Um, I'm still anticipating more work from him and kind of, uh, I think if anything, I'm more excited to see the, the trajectory that he's on, um, and to see where Peel is taking his work. Um, I'm excited about, you know, Twilight Zone, um, which is, <laughs> um, I'm kind of nervous about that too. Uh, but at the same time, I um, I very much enjoy the visual cinematic elements to this film. Um, it is truly, really, I think it's a really beautiful film um, in that aspect. Um, and I appreciate how complex the story is trying to be um, and, and all the commentary that it's trying to hold. Um, I think the difficulty is that it's trying to hold too much. Um, and so it's coming out, it, it's not as clean as it could be. Um, I think if maybe it was on a smaller scale and perhaps not everything was trying to be crammed into one film, it would be a little bit more tasteful um, in that aspect. Um, but that said, I think that there were some beautiful performances um, and I, I really... I very much enjoyed this film um, for all of the times that I have, you know, kind of stopped, you know, at work and paused and, and been like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and I think in that aspect, I think that film succeeded, um, even if it's maybe not in a good way that you're thinking about it because you're tearing down maybe concepts or you're taking it apart and saying, OK, well, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Um, but it still made you think it still left you, um, it, it still left an impact on you. Um, which I think, uh, I, I don't think, um, I applaud Peel for doing. Um, and I think it's that alone is a good thing to have already under your belt as, as a, um, as a film individual that you know how to make an impact. Um, it's just kind of refining what it is, um, and what the audience leaves with, um, all of that said, uh, I would give it about a three and a half um, because I did very much enjoy the the beauty of it. Um, and I, I think if maybe the storyline had been a little bit cleaner cut um, and maybe some things that were a little too mysterious um, could have been kind of parsed out a little bit more, um, I think it definitely has potential to be one of those really interesting psychological thrillers um, or psychological horrors that definitely leave you scrambling a little bit more than, than what this one did. Yeah. I'm interested to see what, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what Jordan Peele does when he gets out of this phase. Yeah. yeah. When he moves into, 
you know, the next kind of film. Like mm-hmm. when he goes, you know, not to compare him to somebody like Quentin Tarantino, but when he goes from his Kill Bill phase to his Western phase, like yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what his next thing is going to be. Cause yeah. I, I know that you've said that he's got these different films that he wants to do, but I feel like at some point um, he might get a little tired of that. Yeah. He's going to want more. And, yeah. uh, I definitely think that he's capable of more than just this. So, and I don't necessarily like have like a thought of like him wanting to have him do, but I, I, I guess I want to see him put out something that comes in a slightly different package and see exactly what that looks like. Yeah, give him room to just make good work mm-hmm. and challenge him to do better than he's done before. It's like because. I think that a lot of the problems with with us are attributable in part to the uh, fact. Speak for yourself. The the problem with us. The problem with us. Film tank. We're us in this together. Okay. Yeah. yeah the, the, mm. a lot of the problems with us are attributable hey, to the fact that um, Happy Death Day. Yeah, there's a there's a shorter interval of of development uh, that is allowed for this film uh, compared to its predecessor, and I think that it could. As we've said before, like it could have really benefited from more time. Nick had mentioned this earlier, but and uh, this is something I always go back to. But Tim Burton having constraints on him for the original Batman, and then having his own vision for Batman Returns, really being able to brought to the table. Do you do you think that there's anything to? I mean, I know that the answer is probably yes in some way because you already mentioned it, Nick, earlier on this, but like. Would it, like, is it a detriment, even if you completely have creative control, to not, and I don't, I'm not saying that Jordan Peele is like this, that he doesn't listen to other people's opinions or have other people read his scripts, but at the same time, the idea of wanting it to remain your vision so much that you're unwilling to listen to, like, do you, do you think he goes that far, or does he have a guy that impression, or is it just he doesn't want the studio interfering with what the final product no, is going to be? No, I definitely think he's probably of the latter, in the sense that I'm sure a studio would have also had a lot more notes on Get oh, Out yeah. than he originally received, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm sure a studio would have said stupid things about us, even if us needs certain, I would say, changes and or just support. Um, so I guess I, I, I could understand the, the validity in him just wanting to make us and mm-hmm. get it out of his system because it in and of itself is worth watching in its current form, I, I think. Agree. I'm not saying it's a success, but it works because it exists and it got us all to talk about it for this long around this table mm-hmm. and people are already writing pieces about it. And while I think that that's slightly overblown, uh, just it's still it's it still begs for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I but I'm also a big fan of constraints and restraints on uh, creative types. I, literally, some of the most famous stories of like the best television shows or episodes of television came from a network note. And so when you're in that position, you have to follow them. And so the solution that certain showrunners came up with, uh, like the show Homicide, Life on the Street, uh, the NBC would not leave that show alone, even though it was so good because it was so good because it was so mundane and it was just showing cops and how they actually live and not trying to spice it up with like a death every week. So they got most random notes and like one time they're like, yeah, you need uh, to get rid of this 
character, or this actor, I should say, John Polito, who is playing him, uh, because he's too ugly for network TV. And, and, of course, they were like, but that's what a cop looks like. And they're like, well, yeah, but you need to send him on vacation. And and they're like, well, no, if we're getting rid of him, he's going to commit suicide, and he's going to have the entire department trying to solve, uh, actually, very much in the vein of House, uh, Cal Penn's character, oh. um, which... Homicide did it first in the sense that a lot of people couldn't quite understand it because that's how suicide works usually. Uh, or famously when they told uh, the networks, they're like uh, – the network told them, oh, yeah, you need a love story. And they that was famously in their Bible that they didn't want any of the cops to have love story, Like to have girlfriends or to have – but they were never going to be uh, part – you know, whatever. So they said, oh, okay. So they took the main character and they got him and they made him really into S&M. <laughs> so – they did not fuck around, and I genuinely think that made the show better because they were so adamant on making the best. They were technically doing what they asked. Exactly. Just, but they were making sure that it fit their vision of, like, wanting to, you know, actually. Um, yeah. So anyway. Well, I guess I'm thinking more in the in the vein of of somebody having to deliver a, you know, on, on, a, on a certain more – I don't take, think take, taking other people's opinions and notes. Like you look at somebody like Quentin Tarantino, who probably has made some decisions that probably should have gone past some people at some point. And okay, yeah. given other people's interpretations, are just saying, you know, it'd be great if this guy gets raped here, and be like, ah. Oh. Let's not. Yeah. <laughs> not. No, I'm I'm with you in the or maybe I'm not with I don't know. Uh well my my I guess my answer to that is personally, no, I don't think Jordan Peele should rein it in. Like okay. his vision is his vision and even if I don't like the movie, like I'm glad it exists and I'm glad sure. that he got to make it because we need more of this, not less of it. Okay. So Cool. It's not for me to like, it's for me to I guess experience. I I don't, I don't I don't even though I like hearing about people taking other people's opinions in. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know how you would necessarily know any different depending on going from film to film, unless you get something that is so off, you know, off and off the deep end that no one, you, you know, the filmmaker was unwilling to listen to other yeah. people's thoughts and it just, you know. I know this isn't the, the same thing as far as, like, this is kind of quality versus content. But, like, for example. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more of somebody like M. Night Shyamalan, too, at the same time. Uh, yeah. That is, you know. Well, yeah. No, I still want him to make a shitty movie. Okay. If he makes a good one, only he would be capable of making that yeah. particular one. Only he would be able to make After Earth, too. So uh, True. <laughs> but, like, a good, I guess, kind of like parallel metaphor is like take a filmmaker like Gaspar Noé for example mm-hmm. if he started making like okay there's a whole population who would never want to watch any one of his films for understandable reasons and I, I know that's different than like whether they think it's good or bad just whether they think that that's worthwhile to watch obviously yeah. but like what would be the value in him deciding that he wants to make a, a movie that would please everybody like no. would a Gaspar yeah. Noé film that doesn't include I'm sorry but rape murder you know just the things that he puts in the like I I could watch Law and Order uh, whatever like I I you only <laughs> exist <laughs> I don't know I, I was I guess I was thinking of <laughs> the sad thing is because I said rape and murder that was the only thing I could think of and whatever so 
I'll end it by Fucking saying, dick wolf. <laughs> yeah, I'll end it by saying, like, okay, I'll end it by saying, I, I will fucking end it by, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will end it by saying, filmmakers, artists in general are here to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to get laid. No, that is to put their art into the world and let us react to it. Okay. And that's all that they have to do. Right on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Next up. What? <laughs> well, first things first. Um, if you out there have any thoughts on, on this film or anything else really regarding Jordan Peele, as he has a lot going on right now, including voicing the character in the upcoming Toy Story film, <laughs> uh, you can always send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. And you can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show as we have recently reinvigorated ourselves in our social media uh, footprint as uh, we, we, we're, we're trying again, sort of. Where you okay. could p- go previously go years at a time and there would not be one post by anybody. So we're making an attempt. Progress. I know. It's, it's, it's nice. It's nice to, you know, be back from the dead when it comes to that kind of thing. <laughs> Speaking of places you can find us, uh, other than our website, FilmTankShow.com, you can also find us on iTunes or Stitcher by searching Film Tank Show. And if you wanted to either rate our podcast or also give us a review, that would be awesome because um, those those uh, things matter on there. Um, And and it would be cool if uh, you didn't have to basically parse through a bunch of shit to find our podcast on there even even if you ne- search it word for word well i was gonna say even negative reviews help so don't think you don't have to be honest <laughs> but please be kind <laughs> rewind, rewind. Ah! <laughs> oh, excuse me his name is yasim bay you bet <laughs> anyway yeah. Puff Daddy's name is also P. Diddy or whatever he's going person. by now. <laughs> wow. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> anyway, continue. That is recorded audio right Alex, now. <laughs> what is the next thing? Uh, so we are going to go uh, from a second film to a film that is way deep into somebody's film collection. And that is Michael Mann's Collateral, uh, which is oh, about, I don't know, it's getting close to like 15 years old now, Holy right? Shit. In that ballpark. Um, certainly not his earliest work, but I think one of his best. And uh, we will discuss this wonderful film coming up on our next episode, which revolves around a taxi driver played by Jamie Foxx, uh, who, unbeknownst to him, begins driving around a hitman throughout the evening, played by Tom Cruise, who for some reason has well, great hair in this film. he doesn't know it's Tom Cruise. Because he Tom- doesn't know it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> Because Tom Cruise is acting in the role. What? That was good. Yes, Tom Cruise has gray hair uh, in this film, which again was was weird at the time. This was like fifteen years ago, uh, and now it's like that's on the low end of a totem pole of weird Tom Cruise shit. Yeah. I yep. Also, this was when Tom Cruise was still trying when it came to uh, films. He's trying in the Mission Impossible film. Oh, He's literally breaking his bones. That's 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 one version of trying. I'm, I'm 
this was when he was actually making an attempt at well, being if you're an actor. Thinking, well, okay, but there's a difference between uh, uh, that's a whole other conversation because he's not doing a Johnny Depp, which is like, oh, I'm choosing this because it's in my wheelhouse. I think he genuinely thinks he's a good entry in action filmmaking, and that is just as valuable as doing uh, Frank T.J. Mackey misogynist asshole, you know, asshole, asshole. Uh, no, but, but but if you look at earlier Tom Cruise when something like Magnolia or even something like I don't know Bored on Fourth of July men. or I mean, something I get like it. that, yeah, yeah, and I feel like he's gotten to the point in his career where he can no longer be in movies like that. I would probably agree with that. Yeah, but he could be in movies if he. I don't. know. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. I feel like he's trying <laughs> in in Collateral. I agree with that. Okay. I just don't think that that means he's not trying when he's doing stunt coordination. Sure. No. I, mean, and I, I just think he's putting his energy into, into a different I, I was, facet I say, of I, acting. I think, I think we might actually be saying the same thing I, in a I different agree. way. Because I think he's – what I'm getting at is that he's he's making an acting attempt where he's got extended monologues and extended conversation scenes where – in the current iteration of Tom Cruise, he's doing only things that he knows he's best at. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk more about this on our next episode. Yeah. <laughs> Ready, steady, go. That sounds in there. Yeah, it is. I, I love that song. Yeah. Paul Oakenfold. I know. I love it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Yeah. Sam, thank you very much, as always, for joining us. Yeah. It's always... Also, we apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for always letting me come back. So. Well, and I feel like we apologize on every single episode. Yeah. So. Spoiler yeah. alert, you guys do. Sorry. Oh. It's okay. Thank I, you. I'm apologizing. Thank you for, for continuing to come back, <laughs> yes. even though I was like, we're so boorish. It's all right. And also eh. somebody, it's usually Tucson, but other people have done the knocking thing when we've, I don't know why that's a thing. I'm so it's sorry. Usually, uh, Usually the two of you. The, yeah. it's, it's between Nick and Tucson. Really. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a thing though. So it's just the world we live in now. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you again for joining us, and thank look forward you. to you know having you on another episode shortly down the road. Looking forward to it. All we right. still have to do a musical because I know you were interested in doing one, and we haven't this done one true. since uh, A Star Is Born. Really? I mean, unless you count La La Land, which I don't. Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh snap. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to listen to our episode in order to find that out. Yeah. <laughs> did we do an episode a lot? Oh, we did do an episode Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. I forgot about that. That is saying a lot. Yeah, I love a lot We'll of look land. into the musical land. Don't worry. Sorry. What was that? I don't know. Oh, I thought that was from something. That was not an Oscar okay. winner. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and that was the outro. Yeah. Can Very I just say good. really quick <laughs> that I listened to an old episode of ours. It was I, not La La Land, was it? No, but it was an episode in which that day we recorded the La La Land trailer was released. Oh. So we talked about the La La Land trailer. And I got to say, I was surprised to hear, I guess not surprised, like shocked, but... The trailer had dropped, and that was apparently the turning point because I said on that podcast that I was looking forward to Damien Chazelle making a movie, let alone a musical. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this trailer just does not look good, and it just looks like these songs are not. But anyway, all I'm saying is I found it slightly creepy that because like sometimes you do 180, sometimes whatever. Other times it's like a harbinger of things to come. It's yeah. just it's your own personal whatever. So it was creepy. 
These podcast episodes are weird time capsules of moments that are. Yeah, it's great. They are, for sure. I mean, usually it's when we talk about current events that somehow pop up. Whether it be. You did talk about Chris Cornell uh, committing suicide in the same episode, I think. That is is a time capsule moment. Maybe we talked about Prince. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. What was that? I have an umbrella today. That's what I heard. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Siri. <laughs> <laughs> You'll need an umbrella today, Alex. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I think that's all for this week's episode of Film Tank. Don't forget to bring your umbrella, yeah. Alex. I'm, seriously, the robots have let me know what to do. Yeah. Uh, so, from Sam, Toussaint, Nick, myself, Alex, thank you very much for joining us here at Film Tank. And we will be catching up with you again next time. Well, let's all join hands. Power. <laughs>